What's up, everybody? What's up? Yeah, all right, excellent. It is so great to see you all here. As usual, I am so grateful for get to, to talk to you. We're going to live with this wobbly stand. Yeah, that's cool. All right, whatever. Like I said, it's great to see you. And yes, I have one more opportunity to just try to wring everything we can out of this semester to just try to, I guess, just encourage you to make the most of your life. And uh, that's what we're here to do as challenge. I want to encourage you with this, encourage you to use your summer well. We're going to get into all of that. And so let me just, I'm going to kick this off. I don't know how I'm going to transition this. We're going to find out. I was watching the movie Iron Man recently. Who here was watching Iron Man with me on Thursday? Yeah, that's right. We got, I, got, I got a shout out for the movie night crew. I went. <laughs> I went to one. <laughs> and we watched uh, the movie Iron Man. I'm telling you that. Because it actually stuck out to me. Like it struck me like in a new way as I was watching it. I, didn't, I just had to ponder it after the fact, but I really felt like I was, there was something powerful going on in that story. And so you guys are, I know, I know, bear with me, but <laughs> you guys are familiar. The protagonist of Iron Man is, <laughs> okay, there's an obvious answer here and a less, slightly, slightly, slightly less obvious answer here. Tony Stark <laughs> is the main person, main character of the movie Iron Man, yeah, yeah. And he's this rich, powerful guy who has it all. And we see that at the beginning of the movie, kind of a jerk, but he's got all this stuff. And then he gets captured by terrorists, right? And then, but he has to create this Iron Man suit. He creates this Iron Man suit, the first one, in order to escape captivity. And he does so. He's successful. However, it's at the cost of this other fellow prisoner who actually sacrifices his life in order for Tony Stark to be able to get out of there. And th this person lays down his life so that Tony can go free, so that Tony can live. And they share this heartfelt moment as this guy is dying, and as Tony is moving on to a whole new life ahead of him. And Tony says, thank you for saving me. And the man says, don't waste your life. Don't, don't waste your life. As if to say, I've laid down my life for you, for your life, so you need to make your life count. And so, because Tony's been living his entire life up until this moment for himself, but because of this moment, something shifts, yes, and he realizes that it's not all about him. And because of that man's sacrifice, Tony Stark's entire life was then infused with a new sense of perspective and purpose. And so he walks out of that cave, makes it home, and begins a process of living selflessly for the good of other people for the first time. And then I've got a verse here, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What's the connection between these things? What's the connection? 
Well, we read in the Bible that Jesus Christ died so that you could live. And so if you've never committed your life to Christ, I encourage you to do that tonight. Step into the freedom and new life that he offers. This is the first step of walking with God. It's understanding that he died for you and that we need his forgiveness because we have walked by ourselves this whole time and trying to do things ourselves and sinning all, all on the way. But he has made a way for us to be with him. And so not only do we get to experience the new life and freedom that he offers, but also Jesus' sacrifice infuses your life with a new sense of perspective and purpose. When somebody dies for you, that's significant. It it almost creates a new sense of meaning for your life. Your life matters significantly because somebody chose to die for it. And so you've been rescued from death, and not not just that. You've, You've been rescued from death to life. You've been rescued from lostness to purpose. And so the first thing that we need to do as followers of Christ is to lay hold of your purpose. There's a blank there on the page for you if you're, if you're interested. Lay hold of your purpose. And so what is that purpose? What is the purpose of a follower of Christ? How do we live for him like that verse in 2 Corinthians 5 says? We can find an answer to this question on page one of the Bible. And so we've been going through this period of the semester talking about the Old Testament, going through that portion of the Bible, and, and I just have one verse from this area that is going to set the tone for this entire time. Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is mankind's initial command from God upon creation. And in short, it is be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Now there is a clear physical aspect of this command to have children and to fill the earth with people who bear the image of God. But there's also a spiritual aspect of this command that applies to us. And David Platt, a speaker and author, he has this commentary to say about this. Christians are commanded to take the gospel to image bearers who have not trusted in Christ, that they too may have salvation and be conformed more into the image of Christ. Now this guy, David Platt, he was the same guy who spoke at our, at the secret church live stream that some of us attended a couple weeks ago. If you were at that, raise your hand. So several of us were there, and this, this was a long six-hour thing where he just dove into identity. And a huge part of that identity is our being made in the image of God. And there's a couple elements from, from what he said at that event that 
are, are beneficial for us today. And so we know from, from what he said that we are made in the image of God, and that's what this verse tells us, Genesis 1. But mankind's rejection of God has distorted that image. Our rejection of God has distorted that image. And so all who trust in Jesus are being conformed to the image of Jesus. And then fourth, God wants his true image to multiply across the earth through discipleship, through making disciples. His image, in a spiritual sense, passed on from one person to another. So how are you and I to be fruitful and multiply? So we're going to dive into this. And so I don't have anything clever for your, your points. So the first point, what is it, what's the first point? Be fruitful. You saw that B? That's what that's all about. Be fruitful. No, no corny uh, rhymes or anything from me tonight about uh, the points. So the term fruit, it comes up a lot in the Bible, but very rarely does it actually have to do with literal the, the, the food group. You know, actually, in general, in the Bible, it, like, refers to what one's life produces, right? Your actions, your words, your attitudes, the fruit of your life. What is the fruit of your life? So to be fruitful in a godly sense is to produce good outcomes with your life. That means treating people well, living honestly, and really just so much more. And so Jesus said in John 15, 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Bearing much fruit is what it means to be a disciple. That is what proves our discipleship. And that's hard. (laughs) That's hard to do. Why? Because we have such a natural tendency toward selfish motives that produces bad fruit. But God is available to help us in this. This isn't on your handout, but John 15, verse 5, same chapter as that previous verse, John 15, 5 says, I, this is Jesus talking, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You you see that? There's a connection. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples from verse eight. And how do we bear much fruit? Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. That means that you and I are dependent on God to work in us to produce the good fruit that we are designed in the first place to produce. And that comes from abiding in him. I mean, spending time with him in fellowship and living in, with his spirit within us. And then I got another quote for you there from a book called Chasing Daylight from Pastor Erwin McManus. He says, the key is not the ability to read God's mind, but to know his heart. It is critical to grow in the wisdom of God, and this journey must be fueled with the passion of God. All the blessings of God, without urgency to live for his purpose, become a terrible waste. There's a lot to unpack from this quote that I'm not going to. 
But that, that first part, the key is not the ability to read God's mind, but to know his heart. You see, God doesn't reveal his will to us moment by moment. And that, that can be frustrating for us. If we're reading the Bible and we're thinking, man, I just want God to just, just tell me what to do for every moment, for every decision I have to make. And, you know, you're just trying to do the right thing. But it's so hard because you don't, you don't know what God wants you to do. What's his will for my life? A lot of Christians ask that question. But he has revealed his heart to you in Scripture so that we can walk closely with him and know his heart in order to be fruitful in this world. And so as we read, as we connect with him, and as we obey, we, will, we get to fulfill part of our purpose that God has laid out for us. It's part of our purpose that we get to inhabit as followers of Christ. And so the first part of that is to be fruitful, and the second part, rather than our, our third point here, is to multiply. Multiply. You see, my prayer for you, as just a person who's here that's a part of this group in some manner, my prayer for you is not only that you'd be fruitful with your life, but that, but that you would multiply your life. My goal for challenge is not only that we'd grow together as disciples of Christ, which is an amazing, great thing for us to be able to do together. It's not only that, but that we would make disciples. We're not merely here to, to grow together as disciples, but we're here to make disciples. And in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is a key passage. Jesus' last words before he transcended to heaven, before he left earth. He, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The purpose that Jesus gave us through this, through this passage, that is a global purpose, but it starts right here. If Jesus has changed your life, has Jesus changed your life? If he has, who could you share that with? Who could you multiply your life to? Who do you know whose eternity could be forever changed by the perspective and the purpose that only Jesus gives? And as the one who sacrificed himself for you, he's begging you, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. In a great book called The Fuel and the Flame, the authors write this, wouldn't it be awesome to look back on your life, including your college years, and to know that God used you to raise up and leave behind fully devoted disciples of Jesus who are actively engaged in continuing your disciple-making chain. This is what it means to begin taking personal responsibility for the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all the nations. If you can do it at least one time as a student, there's a much better chance you will continue 
to reproduce yourself into others once you graduate and on through the decades of your life, impacting life after life for the glory of God and the reaching of the nations. That would be a life well lived. That would be a life well lived. And so now that the semester is over, it's coming to a close, we're gearing up for summer break, this is a huge opportunity to do one of two things. One of two things. You can, you can maximize your summer by spending time with God, by growing in your relationship with God, and being encouraged by the people of God. Or you can stagnate in your faith. This is just a reality that happens to so many people when a break like this comes. I'm memorizing a verse right now, Hebrews 2.1, which says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. I don't want any single person in this room to drift away as a result of stagnating this summer. But in challenge, as has been mentioned, we have opportunities that I'd love for you to plug into. First and foremost of which, Chico Project, right? This, that's an environment that's designed for you to make the most of your summer alongside other people from Challenge. And if you simply must go home for the summer, I encourage you to do Summer Challenge Online. And so I want to do something a little unique. I want to do something now that we don't normally do. I want to turn our attention to the graduating seniors. The graduating seniors, you're at the end of your college experience. And I want to implore you to use the rest of your life in whatever context you're in to impact life after life for the glory of God and the reaching of the nations, to be fruitful and multiply. And so I want to take a moment here for us to just pray for these seniors, actually, together as a group. This is not a normal part of our speaking time. I'm going to ask that everybody who is a graduating senior or transitioning, moving on from challenge, to stand up right now. I know, I know, I'm sorry. Graduating seniors, there they are. Okay, so, sorry guys, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I feel bad already, but no, this is good. If, if you, as another person, if you're near to them, I encourage you to stand and to lay a hand on them. And if you're not near them, you can either get closer or you can just sit and pray with us. I want you guys just to use the next five minutes to take turns praying over these graduates that you're near, the graduate that you are near. And then after about five minutes, I'll close by praying over them as well. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to pour into these seniors over the course of their time, being a part of school, being a part of challenge, being a part of just your work in their lives. I pray that you would continue to teach them and to make them lifelong learners who are always seeking to understand more about who you are and your world that you've put us in. And Lord, I pray that you would put people in their lives that would come alongside of them to encourage them in this next stage. And Lord, I pray that they would be faithful to be fruitful and multiply and to use the rest of their lives to further understand what that means and their contribution to your great commission 
And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.